All right, before we get started on today's show, you guys may or may not know that taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast following this Nuggets win over uh, the Houston Rockets, 117-110. Harrison Wynn and Brendan Vote here from Pepsi Center, uh, Monday edition of the show. And th- this comes on, on a surreal night, uh, a, a surreal night at Pepsi Center that I'm sure you or I won't ever forget. And you know we'll, we'll touch on the game briefly, but um, you know, you've probably heard by now, but Sunday afternoon, you know, maybe an hour, hour and a half before this Nuggets and Rockets game tips off the news of Kobe Bryant passing away uh, in a helicopter crash that left nine dead. Uh, At least that's what uh, the news is as of this recording. Um, A surreal night for so many reasons. And and like I said, I think we'll touch on the game a little bit, but a a lot to unpack and um, a a chilling night. I I mean, it's tough to describe what it felt like being in the arena, being around the team, watching guys react to this news and really just taking it all in uh, tonight. The basketball was secondary, I think, to just about everyone in this building, if not everyone. And it is one of those you will remember where you were moments. And I'll, I'll make some references here. It's not to compare tragedies or anything like that. But I just think in my life, there's only been a few. You know, I think of of, of 9-11. I, I think of a couple of just and I'm not comparing, you know, a helicopter crash. I just mean to say that there are these moments in life that um, that don't feel real. And, and this is just, we're all going to remember where we were when we learned of this. Maybe the weirdest part, man, is we're in this day and age now online with with truth and reporting where we all had to wait to find out if this was real. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a world where things that aren't true get confirmed every day. And so maybe the most painful part of this was coming to terms with its likelihood while still holding out hope that we would we would find out otherwise, you know. Mm-hmm. The thing about hearing this news, we've experienced a lot of celebrities, former basketball players, former icons passing away. I've never felt the way I felt after hearing this news about Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. There was something different about this one, whether it's just – you know, his overall impact of the game, uh, it just seems like he was a larger-than-life, almost indestructible presence. Yes. That, you know, something like this was never going yeah. to happen to him. And um, that's why, you know, when this news originally came down, it was so hard to believe. Like, Kobe? How could this happen to Kobe? This, this is Kobe freaking Bryant, you know? And there's a natural life cycle, right, that we're all – we're all a part of and and it comes to an end and there's something you know so it goes but this is not that this is not that cycle mm-hmm. um it's a tragedy but like you said it had happened to a guy that i think larger than life are the perfect words kobe felt invincible right mm-hmm. um this was not going to be what brought kobe bryant down and so it just a really harsh reminder um of the temporal nature of of our 
our existence and, and, and just don't ever hesitate to say, I love you, you know, yeah, because it's, um, it can be taken away in an instant. Definitely. Um, the most just surreal day slash night I've had covering basketball strange because of the wide ranging reach that this news had. The only thing I can say this is even remotely close to, and it's just totally different. It probably doesn't even deserve to be compared to it. But when there was that school shooting last year during the playoffs and um, right, at yeah. STEM school in Highlands Ranch, and you know Michael Malone came out and addressed that pregame. And on that occasion, it certainly seemed like basketball was secondary, similar to how it fell tonight a little bit. But something weird about tonight, because obviously Kobe Bryant's name, his legacy, um, his life is intertwined with the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. And I thought there was a, a conflict of emotions internally. I understand everyone who said, hey, maybe they shouldn't play the games tonight. I can't imagine how the players felt. There's not a player in this league who was not influenced by Kobe. But there was also something that felt right about being in a basketball arena. You know, I think everyone in L.A. that heard this news, we saw they so many people went to Staples Center just to be there because they didn't know what else to do with themselves. In a weird way, this felt like an appropriate way to sort of celebrate Kobe Bryant's life. And, and you have to wonder, you know, about the Mamba mentality and how he would have thought about just coming out and hooping because mm -hmm. that's what hoopers do. You got to think that seems just crazy to say but he would have wanted this game to take place he would have wanted games today and you know in the ensuing days to take place rather than cancel or, or postpone them and I can't even imagine what it was like to play this game an hour an hour and a half two hours after this news came down and you know we'll talk about what a lot of the Nuggets locker room had to say afterward and whatnot but um I, I want to talk about the pregame scene because this was definitely like one of the more insane moments to me from the night. And this was right after the news came down, but I'm standing on the court during pregame warmups, like we always do. And Jamal Murray is going through his pregame warmup and Murray is not playing tonight, but you no know, was out for warmups. Like, like he's done over these last couple games, like he did during that road trip. And um, Murray is a guy who, I don't know how everybody in that locker room feels, but Murray holds Kobe in a super high regard and, of course, went to Kobe's camp over the summer, is communicated with Kobe through text throughout the year. Those two have a special relationship, and Kobe looks up to Jamal um, a ton. But midway through his warm-up, one of the Nuggets' assistants delivered the news to Jamal, and I saw this happen 20 feet away from me. I was right there on the court when this happened, but he walked up to Jamal and delivered, you know, the news to him about this TMZ report that Kobe had died. And um, I'll never forget the look on Jamal's face and just kind of that moment. And he, he said out, he said, what? Like he, he could not believe it was real. Just like we couldn't believe it was real. Um, he ended his warm up and went back to the locker room, but that was a, a, a surreal moment. I don't know how you're supposed to just everything we just said, notwithstanding about Mamba mentality. I don't know how you're supposed to hear that news and go out and play. I just don't. I mean, maybe for some people it was therapeutic. Maybe for some players it was exactly what they wanted to be doing in that moment. Um, but, you know, I think about 
how difficult it can be to just do your job when, when your personal life gets tough, when you're feeling emotional, even for us, like it's tough to, oh, we got to do a live stream today. I'm not in a great mood. I don't want to go out there and, and be at my best um, in front of an audience. You know, you multiply that by a thousand. I don't know how those guys did that. Um, and yeah, I just, you can't stress enough spanning generations that every single person that's involved in basketball, whether they have two hands, one hand, or just a pinky in the game, mm-hmm. um, they've been influenced and touched by Kobe and his legacy. It seems like everybody had a story about Kobe. Everyone. <laughs> Jamal went to his camp over the summer. So did Malik Beasley, who said after the game that, you know, just Kobe's drive, his determination, that's something that really stuck with him. He was still texting Kobe, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Um, Will Barton, you know, shared a story from his rookie season about how Kobe pulled him aside and talked to him for an hour about his game, uh, about what he needed to do to reach his ceiling, about how he just really needed to work on his jumper. And Barton says that helped shape his career. I can't even imagine for the international guys in the Nuggets locker, right? Kobe, more so than LeBron, more so you know than anybody else in this current generation of players. Kobe is the guy who you looked up on YouTube, who you tried to emulate his moves in the driveway. I mean, that that was the case for a lot of guys who were born in the states, but even more so uh, for guys abroad. Kobe was that guy. I mean, Kobe came as close as one can get to being synonymous with basketball itself. And it's it's we talk about the players, but just the world, man. I mean, there's my mother doesn't watch the NBA. She knows who Kobe Bryant is, mm-hmm. you know, and that goes for many, many others. And it's a weird thing processing this stuff. Kobe's Kobe's relationships, who Kobe was, this loss, it belongs to a small circle of people. Um um, but what we lost, the impact he made on the world, um, the way he'll be missed and the way we're all forced to reflect, that's a collective thing. It doesn't belong to anyone. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I keep I keep thinking about the way you framed it, just um, bigger than basketball, larger than life, an icon. And and so it, it's just while we – our thoughts are with, with Vanessa and the family, of course, and, and the families of, of the other victims, but – I think everyone's feeling something right now. Everyone lost a little something. Yeah, everyone can relate to this. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's something you can't always say when somebody of Kobe's notoriety passes. Um, but yeah, the word I keep coming back to is just absolutely surreal. Something like you just that's unimaginable. But that's one of the things about covering this league and life, I guess. You never know what's going to happen every day. Um, so it just kind of reminds you to you know cherish your family, your loved ones, because you never know what can happen. Nothing's guaranteed, man. Nothing, and, and none of us are, are above this, um, this chaos. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Tell your loved ones you love them. Don't ever forget or hesitate to do that. Mm-hmm. So we kind of touched on what the pregame vibe was like and how some of the players heard the news. I mean, most of the guys were in the locker room because I I believe when there's around 45 minutes or so on the clock before the game, that's when Michael Malone gives the team his final address, and that's very shortly after this news came down. So uh, most of the guys were in the locker room when this news broke, and then you've got to kind of turn your attention to the game, which is (laughs) almost an impossible task. I could barely do it. Right. 
we were sitting there, you know, trying to take in this game, trying to do our job and dissect what was going on in the first half. And it was impossible. Your mind drifts. Uh, basketball was the last thing on your mind. You're, you're thinking about your family, your friends, your loved ones. You're thinking about Kobe and his family and his daughters. Um, but I did think it was – I did think Pepsi Center did a really outstanding job pregame, and yeah. the Nuggets did as well. They held – Short notice. A, a moment of silence. Short notice as well. Um, and I think that was a big reason why, you know, there wasn't really a thought, according to people I spoke to, about canceling this game or postponing this game. Fans were already here. You know, this game was going to go on, even if it felt like it shouldn't have. Right. Um, but there was a moment of silence from him. Uh, the Pepsi Center PA announcer, Kyle Speller, rattled off kind of his career accomplishments, um, which I thought was a nice touch. And then maybe something that happened, which was even more unbelievable, the Pepsi Center crowd breaks out in Kobe chants. Kobe, Kobe. Goosebumps, man. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely goosebumps. And in that moment, it did feel right. Something about the way it was presented to me, I internalized it as, as much as we can, this is a celebration right now of the game and those who comprise it and those who who sacrifice and give so much to it. Kobe, of course, chief among those people. And so every time everyone stood and clapped tonight, before, after, during the game, you just got the sense that it was about more than what they were just seeing in front of their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it defined the whole night. And I don't know, man. I, I think when I look back at this, I'm going to be quite glad that we were in an arena watching basketball because I yeah. don't know, what do you just sit on your hands with that news, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. The um, the pregame Kobe chance, also a little surreal. And I know I keep coming back to that word, but Kobe was a, a villain in this city yeah. for so many years. Yeah. Whether it was off the court drama or on the court play, like he eliminated the Nuggets 3 times over a 10-year span where Denver made the pay- playoffs 10 straight times from 2004 to 2013. Kobe and the Lakers eliminated Denver 3 different times, so of course most notably in the Western Conference Finals in 09. Think about how many teams and fan bases around the league have some sort of claim to a similar story, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Kobe killed us, you yeah. know? Um, and, yeah, like each team, each fan base has their own relationship with him. There was no corner of basketball that he did not touch. But you, you know, as a fan, you you start to garner respect um, for people like that. And it was really cool to see Nuggets Nation, to see that manifested tonight and to see people make it clear, you know, even when I hated this guy viscerally, it was nothing but respect, and, and particularly so now. All right, before we go any further, we're talking about the uh, Strawberry Sky on today's podcast. Definitely one of my favorites from Breck Brew. We've always got a stock in the office. So um, check out Strawberry Sky from Breck Brew. Just great for any occasion. A light beer, fruity, flavorful. Uh, check it out at, at, at your local liquor store. If you're at a bar, if, you're, if your hometown bar, if your neighborhood bar does not have Strawberry Sky, Tell them to get on that. Uh, Everybody's certainly missing out. And also, got to tell you guys about our friends over at Mile High Green Cross. They offer offer award-winning products. Head down to their store and sign up for their loyalty program today. When you do, you will receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. That's right. They are hooking the DNVR fam up with 20% off of your entire purchase once per month. This offer extends to members that are already in their loyalty program as well. 
Just mention DNVR. You guys know that Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products, from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. Every every single time you pop in, you will receive one-on-one attention from one of their seasoned sales associates, not to mention they have everyday low prices on in-house products like $99 pre-packed ounces, V3 hash oil bulk deals, five cartridges for 100 bucks. Mile High Green Cross offers out-the-door pricing, no cash, no problem. Mile High Green Cross now accepts hyper. What's even better is the amount of time you spend in the dispensary on average from the time you walk in to the time you walk out is only nine minutes. I know that's super important to me and my hectic and crazy life. Head downtown today to check out their convenient location located on 9th and Broadway. They also offer parking in the back. Remember, sign up and save 20% off of your entire purchase once per month, but you got to mention DNVR. All right, welcome back to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. We are, of course, presented by Illegal Beats, uh, best burrito, best fast casual food in Denver. Harrison Wind and Brendan Vogt here, still at Pepsi Center, uh, trying to put this one into words on the uh, night, the afternoon of Kobe Bryant's passing. Something that still just doesn't seem real. I mean, even you, you just said it right there. You know, yeah, that doesn't feel real, man. You're seeing all these clips. I'm seeing all these clips on Twitter of him and. Jimmy Kimmel and all these various interviews, and um, it just doesn't feel like those were the last ones, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't feel like there won't be any more. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Just not doesn't feel real. Yeah, so I mean, apologies if we're obviously somber with this news, but the Nuggets did get a win tonight, a, yeah. a very important, important win. win. Uh, I mean, this was a huge win. Uh, Denver came into this game. Down one to two in the season series. Of course, if you finish tied, you know, with another team in the regular season, the first tiebreaker is season series. Then it goes to division record, which the Nuggets have a great one so far. Um, but Denver got the win tonight, one seventeen, one ten. They even the season season series with the Rockets at um, two games apiece. Probably the the biggest notable thing from this game: James Harden did not play. Um, which was obviously huge. Yeah, you'll take it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so we know, I think we know full strength that this is a brutal matchup for Denver. You definitely weren't coming to the arena tonight trying to trying to see if there's a definitive case for, you know, can Denver beat Houston or anything like that. It was strictly about these implications, these seeding implications, because mm-hmm. you need to, to have a highest seed as possible here, obviously. Um, and with... With these injuries and, and the stretch of st- schedule the Nuggets were in, looking at the standings coming in tonight, this is a very, very big win, and that's just kind of all that matters. So you don't – well, Harden didn't play. Yeah, no kidding. Houston probably would have won. Um, but but now Denver has a has potentially an easier path to a conference finals. Yeah, Westbrook had a big night, um, making up a bit for Harden's absence. He finished with – 32 on 14 and 29 shooting. Dude, supposedly he's lost a step because he's, like, older now. It doesn't look like it in person, yeah, does it? We were he, talking about this during the game. He, he has lost a little bit of a step but is still in, like, the 99th percentile <laughs> out of players in quickness. Unbelievable, man. Yeah. It's not like some people have first step quickness. He just has all of the step quickness. Mm-hmm. I mean, Denver didn't do a great job containing him, but the Nuggets can take some solace in the fact that nobody else really went off. Like Ben McLemore had a decent night. Eric Gordon did some stuff, but was only two of ten from the field. 
they did a nice job shutting off Clint Capella. He didn't have much of an impact. So and and they turned him Westbrook over ten times. You know, True. so like looking at that game, it was always going to be a high volume Russ night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, for your if you're Denver, you're like, all right, just try to make it as hard. Uh, as possible for him to get everyone else going, mission accomplished. For Denver, I thought maybe the most notable thing, and we've been hitting on this a lot since Paul Millsap has been sidelined, but Jeremy Grant continues to to trend upwards, and he really seems to be developing a really nice chemistry with Nikola Jokic, something that has ramifications down the line if you're looking to next year and beyond. Um, But Jeremy Grant tonight, 25 points, 8 of 12 from the field, a perfect 3 of 3 from 3. Only four rebounds, but there were a couple instances of him definitely making his presence felt on the yeah. offensive glass, which has been a big point of emphasis here. Yeah, particularly in the first half. I mean, look, there's a real case to be made that these last six, seven games, we've seen the best stretch of rebounding of Jeremy Grant's career. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's clear that the the notion that he needs to get better um, – you know, that we've heard from his coach and teammate, his teammates himself, I think it's sunk in. You know, you're seeing a concerted effort. He's fighting uh, for these rebounds with the starters. You're right, only finished with four tonight, but still thought his effort was better there. And I just like that Jeremy Grant can and will get to the line. Mm-hmm. When things break down, he has no problem putting his body on the line, putting his head down and just getting to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, you need someone like that. This It was always premature to say the Grant fit wouldn't work out, but we were all calling what we were seeing. You know, it, it wasn't. And and now that he's had more time alongside Jokic, you're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe this is a good fit after all. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about just his long-term fit because that's a big question and decision the Nuggets have to make immediately really following this season. Grant has a player option. Not sure what he's going to do there, but there is a chance, I guess, that he declines it, enters free agency, and you know Denver pays him. As I think the Nuggets will pay him. How much? I'm not really not sure. Um, but you know, Grant does a lot of things that the Nuggets need, and there's an easy path to seeing that he could be that power forward of the future. Like what has really stood out as of late, maybe over this you know, couple week stretch that Millsap hasn't played is. Grant's ability to be an on-ball defender and yeah. really check guys from big men to point guards. And that's something he does at a level that Millsap can't do. Right, And um, that's probably going to be his most valuable thing, in my mind at least, looking ahead to the playoffs. Um, we've seen him guard Luka Doncic, guard Kawhi Leonard, and really give those guys problems. We just saw him shut down Nuggets killer Brandon Ingram mm-hmm. the other night in New Orleans. And looking ahead to the playoffs – I feel like he's going to have a big impact there. So while he can't do some of the things that Millsap does and might never be able to just in terms of his team defense, like Paul Millsap is one of the best team defenders, help side defenders in the league. Not sure Jeremy Grant's going to be ever able to get there. Definitely won't be able to get there this season. And, you know, you miss some of Millsap's rebounding and just toughness as well. But he does some things that Millsap can't too. Yeah, I mean, how important is that? I mean, for years, we've talked about this Nuggets team. Like, well, when they get to the playoffs, who's going to guard LeBron, whatever, whatever, X, Y, Z? Um, you know, these big, terrifying wings. They've never had an answer. And then now you can at least say, well, Grant's an option. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's huge. And also the way he's shooting the three ball, man. I mean, eventually teams are going to have to play him more honest, and it's going to change the spacing. And you do want a power forward next to Jokic, who can and will take those open threes. Uh, so, yeah, encouraging stuff from Grant. 
And look, man, the game of trying to find – like you've got 170 tied up in Jamal now. You've got a second-round max in Jokic. Gary's getting paid. Barton got paid. Like finding a power forward who's a, who's good enough, a good fit on the court, but also like affordable. I mean, it's a narrow search, mm-hmm. you know, and Grant really might fill that. So it, this is important, man. This this sort of audition, as you framed it, has been really, really important for Grant and the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Quietly, Nikola Jokic had a fabulous night, I thought, other than the six turnovers. But as is always the case with Jokic's turnovers, you can probably pin a couple of those on his teammates. Sure, sure yeah. <laughs> but uh, Jokic goes for 24 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, two steals, uh, is alone in third place on the NBA triple-double leaderboard this season with his ninth triple-double and his 37th of his career. He has the 10th most triple-doubles in, in league history at just 24 years old. Um, I, I thought a great night from him. I thought he dominated tonight. Yeah. I thought he did. And on a night where it didn't seem like he had a lot of touch, you know, he missed a couple of bunnies. His jumper wasn't there. But he wasn't deterred. He was aggressive. Much like New Orleans, I looked at this game and thought, yeah, Jokic is not trying to lose tonight. And that's mm-hmm. important. I mean, when he feels that way, the Nuggets rarely do. Mm-hmm. It was a big point of emphasis on that road trip, but I even noticed it a little tonight. His leadership is really improving, I feel like, Mm. especially on the court in huddles. I wrote about this at the very beginning of the season, but maybe the biggest area of growth from Jokic coming off a dominant playoff performance was just going to be his ability and his his ability to just kind of grow his voice around the team, in the locker room, on the court. And maybe it wasn't, really apparent earlier in the year but i definitely feel like over the last couple of weeks it's been noticeable i think it's sort of the under discussed macro scale narrative of the season that i do think Jokic is growing into that guy Uh, correct me if i'm wrong i think this was the new orleans game did you catch in the fourth quarter he pulled the guys aside the guys that were closing Mm -hmm. and he was just talking to them i don't know what he said but to see him Mm -hmm that opinionated and that emphatic about what the team needs to be doing. I mean, there's a good, like Jokic is so good. He's usually right. Right. If he has an inclination. And so to hear it, to see him vocalize that to his teammates, um, we know that's the thing he doesn't do yet. So I thought that was really encouraging. And, and yeah, just kind of like the body language stuff, man, like whether you're frustrated or not, show your guys that you're trying to win tonight. Um, that trickles down, you know? Yeah, definitely. Jamal Murray has grown in that area as well, but, Obviously, with him not playing, uh, I, I feel like Jokic has stepped up in that regard as of late. Will Barton had a nice night. You know, Will Barton's playing point guard for this team right now. Yeah, something he did over the second yeah. half of the 2017-18 season and something he's done at times over the last uh, last year. But you know, he's playing point guard right now pretty exclusively uh, with that starting group. He played some minutes alongside Monte, who ha- had a great night off the bench. Maybe Monte's best game of the year. Mm. Uh, 17 points, seven, seven rebounds, rebounds. Wow. Uh, for Monte, four assists. What are kind of your thoughts on this starting lineup that Denver has gone to? A little more length with Barton, Harris, and Torrey Craig out there. Yeah. Um, probably helps them a, a little defensively. Yeah. I And I like that because I once you've made the decision to start Craig, you sort of said, okay, we're going to lean defensively here, right? So if you're going to do that, then I like putting Barton in over Morris because of the size, as you just alluded to. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaks to the multifaceted nature of Barton's game. This team's Swiss Army knife for sure. But, I, yeah, I keep talking about it. All of a sudden this team has like three or four different ways where they can come at you real long. 
I thought this was a nice touch. I thought it worked. Barton is, is kind of slumping right now as a as a scorer, but I still think he's making winning plays. Made a couple down the stretch tonight, so I'm not too worried about him. Um, and yeah, just this, a guy who can who can give a lot and, and can wear a lot of different hats for this team. MPJ, another super impactful night for him, I thought. Mm-hmm. Four offensive rebounds for Michael Porter Jr., nine total rebounds, uh, 17 points, four six from three. I've been hitting on this a lot, but since he started getting real consistent minutes, and that has come since or post-Christmas Day, I believe it's been 14 games, but he is shooting like 45, 46, 47% from three. Since that date, I'm not sure what it looks like after this four of six performance, but even before tonight, he was up around 45% from three on more than three attempts per game post Christmas day. He's been the Nuggets best shooter by far since that date and just really was big tonight in terms of helping Denver get some momentum in the third and fourth quarter. That shot's elite, huh? It really Mm -hmm. is. And you know, this Nuggets team does not have a lot of, um, like wide open shot at the end of a good possession. I really feel confident this is going in. Yeah. Um, MPJ feels like he's shooting a hundred percent on those. I mean, if he's open, you just love the confidence that he rises with and, and you just feel like it's going to go in this guy between the three point shot and his nose for picking up easy points in and around the rim. It's just hard to imagine that he won't be an ultra efficient scorer. Yeah. You know, he has a very modern kind of scoring profile and you, you just have to believe in the three-point shot. I think it's elite. I think it's elite too, and I, I think there is a direct correlation between him struggling at the very beginning of the season with his jumper and not really knowing when his minutes were going to come, how tight of a leash he was going to have. If he made a mistake, would he immediately get pulled? I feel like there is a direct relationship between that and what we've seen over the last month, him knowing when he's going to be playing, knowing that he's got a longer leash, and the confidence and just the comfortability that comes with that. I think it's no surprise that since you know, he's been getting more consistent playing time, his shooting looks like and looks you know even better than yeah. we thought it would. Oh, it's on, man. I mean, it's on. I think this thing just, barring injuries, it just rolls downhill from now. You yeah. know? I think he's, he's found that rhythm, that confidence in himself, and now we just get to find out just how good he is. Mm-hmm. So he had a big night, I thought. Malik Beasley did a lot of good things tonight as well. His energy, like, like he always brings, was very apparent tonight. Hit, hit a couple you know, big shots, was all four from three, but made an impact elsewhere. Three steals uh, for him tonight. I mean, where are you at on the Nuggets' future at shooting guard? Because you know, Gary Harris, not a lot of confidence you know, he, he's not displaying a lot of traits of somebody who's going to pull out of this season-long slump. Yeah, I think it's still a possibility that he does and, and rediscovers his jumper. And, and I'm curious to see what it looks like, you know, when he, he is playing 30 plus minutes a game. If that time does come, with him being probably as healthy now as he's been all season, and I'm, I'm, I still have some belief that he can, you know, get back to what he used to be on the offensive end, um, but. Malik, it, it, it seems like at, at least the Nuggets right now are just as comfortable having him out there as having Gary out there. Yeah, kind of a negative sort of hypothetical here, but 
if the Nuggets are, are going to lose in the first or second round again, they're not able to improve on that run last season, I think you do start thinking seriously about, about changing up the core. Not just to do it, but if a deal's on the table. At that point, I would be looking at Gary as sort of the preferred kind of piece of the core that you're, you're maybe ready to part ways with. That's all so much easier with Malik Beasley there as a sort of insurance plan. And, you know, he's not the defender Gary is, but he's an elite shooter. And starting that guy alongside Jokic could do wonders for your offense. So I, I'm. it is at the point now where, like, weighing that and, and the possibility that he helps you win the game now against, like, what it's worth for a team like Denver to just get a first-round pick just because, I am starting to lean towards, I think, maybe just keep him. I think I'm there. Um, unless you can get, like, a future first-round pick that's not in this draft. Right, right, right. Like, if you could get a 2021 or 2022 first-round pick from a team that has a real shot at being close or near the lottery, similar to how the Nuggets dealt Aaron Flalo to the Trailblazers mm. back in uh, 2015 and got you know a first-round pick that turned into – uh, Malik Beasley, which really was looked at at the time as the prize of the deal, but the real prize turned out to be Will Barton. You know, if Denver can construct a similar deal like that, that might make sense for Malik. Um, but he he is kind of an integral piece of this rotation uh, um, right now. And like you were saying, I think if this team does come up short in the playoffs, there could be some wholesale changes. Right. And um, Maybe you look at Malik as a guy you really want to try to bring back at that point. So. That'd be such a, a plot twist, man. Yeah. Malik is part of the future. He's real good. He's real good. All right. A couple more things we want to get to. I want to hit on, on some more just about the mood and uh, you know the uh, Kobe Bryant news and the effect that had on tonight. Uh, we'll be right back. All right, back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, presented, of course, by Illegal Pete's, as we always are. Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote here still at Pepsi Center on a surreal night. And apologies if we're a little down about this Nuggets win, a really important win over the Houston Rockets. But uh, the events leading up to today's game, of course, Kobe Bryant passing away and uh, I believe his oldest daughter as well according to the latest reports to come out, just really tough to get over and um, something that will really hang over, I think, the league and its players for a, a long time. And just thinking about the mood and the vibe in the locker room post game, and even throughout the night as we're trying to digest this game and really pay attention to it and I, I don't know about you, but you know my mind just really kept drifting throughout the entire game, and it was even tough to concentrate in, in the fourth quarter of what was a really tight and really meaningful game. I can't even imagine how the players felt on the court, but I do wonder if playing and just having that distraction was maybe what a lot of people needed. Maybe, maybe I you know I get so uncomfortable with the sort of like. I don't think there's like a right answer to this. There's not. And everyone's going to feel very strongly opinionated about what's resonating with them emotionally. Um, you know, we don't know what Kobe would have wanted. We don't know what these players would have wanted. And the players are not a Borg. It's a bunch of unique individuals that comprise that that body and that community. So um, a lot of conflicting emotions, I think. The show does kind of 
But that's the thing about life, man, you know, like it, it goes on whether it's ready for you or not. And I think for you and I, this was an interesting night because um, we had a job to do. Mm-hmm. This podcast, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to write player grades tonight. That's going to feel very weird. Um, but the show does go on and, and y- you know, part of it is being able to do that and, and be prepared for that, um, you know, while staying empathetic and reflective. But it was just a strange night. The first half is a blur, man. Yeah. I don't remember anything in the first And the quarter. players have a job to do as well. Yeah. A, a tougher job than we have to do probably. The, the body language, well, definitely. <laughs> Walking off the court. Um you know, like watching Will Barton, like, that was a really big win. Mm-hmm. No one was excited. They looked drained, you yeah. know. They looked ready to get out of there, and you can't blame them for that. Jeremy Grant had tears in his eyes during warm-ups. The Houston team, man, the whole Houston team was. Tyson Chandler was crying on the bench during the first ball. part of the game. Yeah, Malik Beasley came down from the Nuggets' weight room like he always does uh, after the game. Him. Nicole and Wancho have these lifting sessions after the game. But Malik comes down, and I talked about earlier how he went to Kobe's camp this summer and, and has been in communication with him throughout the year through text. But he came down and sat at his locker for about 10 minutes with his head in one of his hands, just kind of staring off into the distance. And that was kind of representative of I feel like how a lot of players felt, just in disbelief, in shock. And uh, Malik's a father now, too, man. And after the game, I saw him real distraught. And, I, you know, I just think he – I think he said, I can't stop thinking about his daughter. Um, and that's the other thing, man, you know, is like Kobe wasn't alone on that helicopter. Um, his daughter, there were other kids. There, there are a lot of family members – that survived and have to to go on about this now. And um, I'm just trying to think of them. And, like, it's got to be very strange as they get to watch the whole world react to what is, in truth, their loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so just thinking of them and, and um, you know, all, like particularly the, the not Kobe Bryant people that were on that helicopter. You know, other lives were lost today too. And um, we don't know who those people are, but, but my thoughts and my hearts are with those families as well. Yeah, definitely. Michael Malone, after the game – as a bunch of coaches have done that played today, kind of just made an opening statement about the uh, the news, the Kobe news, and said that it was one of those moments. He compared it to the JFK assassination. He compared it to when Martin Luther King got shot. Yeah, uh, It's one of those moments where uh, that you'll never forget where you were when you heard the news. Um and I feel like that's pretty accurate. That's how I feel. I've never felt this way about a celebrity, about a player, about somebody of notoriety passing. I know, and that's um, you know, earlier in the show, I like I compared it to another tragedy. And I'm sorry if I offended anyone. My point simply being um that that yeah, this is one of those moments, like the exact moment that you find out is going to be ingrained in your brain. We're all sitting around that press table. And someone, the first person to saw it, to see it, they weren't sure, you know, they said, this can't be right. And Mm -hmm. we all dig into our phones and it just gets um, increasingly more quiet in that press room as one by one, everyone realized that this was real. I will always remember those sort of 20 seconds where we sat there in silence trying to process that. Mm -hmm. I'll always remember. Um, We didn't get to any questions that 
some of our members and subscribers left on uh, on the dnvr.com. I feel like we should hit those before we get out of here. And sorry we didn't hit those in the first segment like we normally do for subscriber questions. Um, but let's just hit some of those real quick here. Uh, this one comes from Miroslav. Besides LeBron and Jokic, who are obvious picks for players with top five highest basketball IQs? Oh wow! In the league, besides Jokic and LeBron, throw Chris Paul in there right away. Chris Paul. Um, you know who's a player who I think kind of is underrated in this regard because of his reputation as James Harden. Mm-hmm. I think people think of him as, um, you know, this like. Magician and this trickster who's like leans into the foul thing, and but mm-hmm. like Harden's ability to manipulate a defense and his understanding of of his gravity on the court. The second a defender steps up to cheat or to help, he knows where he wants to move that ball. So I think as a passer and a and a general offensive IQ guy, Harden's probably up there. I put Lonzo Ball in that <laughs> conversation. Probably, yeah, um, definitely, and. On the topic, Kobe would have been in that conversation mm-hmm. as well. Uh, this comes from Ducey Connor. This is purely hypothetical because there's absolutely no way the Nuggets take on CP3's contract. If the Nuggets were to trade Gary Harris and Mason Plumley for Chris Paul, could they win the championship this year? I feel like it's a fun discussion because I think adding CP3 would put the Nuggets in the Bucks, Lakers, Clippers tier. I think OKC would take that deal to get off of CP3's salary. But maybe they really value what they're doing this year and wouldn't need another asset. What do you guys think? The proposed trade is really the only thing that would work salary-wise, FYI. So Gary Mason Plumley for Chris Paul. Yeah, you know, the timeline would be interesting because maybe at the start of the season, I could have talked myself into OKC getting on that train. At this point, I think OKC doesn't want to trade Chris Paul unless it's a slam dunk. Right, they want to make the playoffs. They want to make the playoffs. But I do agree with the hypothetical. I mean, if the way Chris Paul is playing right now, uh, this team, I think, would, would jump a tier. Yeah. And I, I'm fascinated by what the potential relationship between Paul and Jokic would be. Mm-hmm. If that would be contentious or if there would be um, – if they would find a mutual love of the game and we were just talking IQ – I mean, I know people that are in that elite IQ club in anything, in any game or, or a specific activity, they gravitate towards each other. So I wonder how those two would have appreciated each other. I feel like it'd be a good fit, and it would be something that definitely would raise Denver's ceiling. I think they would be a championship contender. The only hesitation I would have is you're incredibly small in the backcourt, mm. even smaller than you are right now with a Jamal Murray and Chris Paul. Yeah, you're not getting any better defensively, for sure. Uh, for so sure. that would be tough. Chris Paul is a really good defender, but you know, his height would be a killer, I think, uh, in those lineups. Uh, a couple more here. Pajaro Rojo says, I like the idea of keeping the squad together for this year. We lose a couple pieces this offseason, but I believe we'll get Millsap back on a better contract. I think Mason Plumlee is gone, but looking at the free agent class for the center position coming off this season, I think there are a few budget options that would be good. My question is, would Nerlens Noel do well in Denver? I think Denver needs a rim protector as a backup center, and he wouldn't be the $10-plus million guy that we need to spend on Plumlee. So thoughts on Nerlens Noel and just kind of the backup center position? I mean, I like the thought of having like a rim-protecting defensively-minded backup center, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, Nerlens, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about Nerlens and why he hasn't necessarily worked out yeah. in certain places. The game has kind of left him by a little bit. Um, 
but I don't know anything about him, like the way he approaches the game, what his work ethic is. I haven't followed him too closely this season, but the idea in a, in a vacuum of a rim protector at, at backup five, of course, sounds nice. Yeah, I, I think if Mason Plumley is not on this team, people don't think this, but he will really be missed. Uh, his durability, even though he is out with an injury, that's going to sideline him for a couple weeks here. And just his consistency, I think, definitely is undervalued here. Um, but center is the one position I feel like that if you're a playoff team, if you're a contender, you can get guys on the cheap. Right, yeah. Uh, last one here. This comes from Ranchman. Uh, long question. Bear with me, but we'll get through it here. Every trade, whether now or in the offseason, will be measured by one standard. Does it move the team closer to a championship? I believe the only thing Mr. Conley will do by the midseason trade deadline is trade Wancho. His focus, though, should be on the offseason obtaining a top-tier talent that can put the Nuggets in the championship race. Let's use Bradley Beal as an example of what it would cost for a superstar trade this summer based on the Paul George and Anthony Davis trades. Acquiring that level of player will require trading Jamal Murray, Will Barton, at least one other player not named Nikola or Michael, and four or five first-round picks. Wow. Offloading Jamal provides affordability for retaining another max player, Bradley Beal in this example. If Mr. Connolly re-signs Malik Beasley, as I would hope, Malik would not be eligible to be traded until December 15, 2020. The team could trade him for a first-round pick by February 6th. This is looking ahead a year, and that draft pick would become part of the draft capital for an earth-moving trade. That's playing the long game. Do you think Mr. Connolly has the start to go all-in trade for a great player? So we were talking about Bradley Beal pregame. Wow, that's funny lot. enough. Yeah, we were, weren't we? Um, Can I just start by saying... The Paul George and the Anthony Davis deals, I don't, I do not think are market setters. I think those are both massive outliers. In the like in L.A., it was like, look, we have LeBron. This is what he wants. We do not have a choice. And, and um, with the Clippers, it was it was similar. It was like, look, man, we have a chance to get Kawhi. Right. The Clippers was we're trading this for Paul George, but we're also trading this for the Kawhi Leonard commitment for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and that's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. You know, Bradley Beal is not going to put any team in that situation. I think some teams will look at him as. This is a max guy who can get us over the top, but it's not like someone's going to be stuck with no leverage. Like, oh, they need a fifth pick, throw it in there. You know, yeah. I don't think he's going to dictate the market that way. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. Um, on the topic of Bradley Beal, because that's the guy Ranchman brings up the most here. If I'm the Nuggets, I definitely look at a way to get Bradley Beal here over the summer. And um, you know, I, I don't know what the Wizards would want for for Bradley Beal if they would want a package around Jamal Murray or if they'd be fine with a package around Gary Harris. Um, but I think if you're Denver, Bradley Beal, you know, obviously if you swapped him for Gary, um, is a guy who moves Denver into clearly the top tier in the West. And I, I think would be a great fit in Denver uh, culturally and obviously on the court as well. Um, so if I'm Denver, I look to make that move this summer and obviously there could be a couple disgruntled stars who pop up out of nowhere like they always do. So I think something like that is definitely on the table for the Nuggets. But you're not trading Nikola. You're not trading Michael Porter Jr. And I would still have a very hard time seeing the Nuggets trading Jamal Murray, no, no matter how the playoffs go. You're probably right about that last part. But I do think you have to consider whatever it takes like with the what what you've seen from Michael Porter Jr. so far, and what you know you have in Jokic, like this title window is a real thing. You're mm-hmm. making a run at a title now, and it's 
I mean, tough decisions, uh, you know, hard feelings be damned. Like, you know, wanting to commit to the guy that you drafted and you developed doesn't matter, man. Like, if there's a chance to bring, like, if you had Michael, a developing Michael Porter Jr. and Bradley Beal and Nikola Jokic on the same team, we're talking about a championship level offense again. And so, if you go through these playoffs and you come up short of where you want to be, I think you have to be ready to move anyone except the two names you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Kind of a general and a, a higher level point, but I think a lot of what happens in the playoffs is going to determine what direction Denver goes. Sure. This is a massive playoff run coming up, and we're still a couple months out, but I, I really do feel like a lot of this team's direction is going to be determined on what happens in, in the playoffs. I would finish by saying this, too, and the question, does Tim Connolly you know, kind of have the stones to make this deal? The Nuggets have tried to make big deals more than once over these last few years. And if you'll remember that Paul George three-way trade with Indiana, um, which was agreed to, which would have brought Kevin Love to Denver, sent Gary to Indiana, Paul George to Cleveland, and Pritchard backed out, as we know the story to be, as it was reported. So Denver has done this. Denver would do this. And I think they will seriously consider doing it again if they need to this summer. Yeah, based on how the uh, playoffs turn out. All right, thanks for the questions, guys. Uh, As always, we will take subscriber questions on every podcast. Make sure to comment in this post on thednvr.com where this podcast will live on the website. Uh, Yeah, make sure to do that. And no, thanks for listening. A surreal night at Pepsi Center. As I'll say again, I hope we were able to kind of paint the scene for you guys and put you in our shoes, which is what we really try to do. And what I try to do as a reporter here, uh, I try to make it so you guys felt like you were here with us uh, tonight. So hopefully we did that. And um, yeah, a a night that I definitely won't forget, uh, maybe the most surreal and uh, extraordinary night I've had covering this team. I'm left with gratitude, man, that I get to do this um, with you, with Adam, but but with everyone listening, everyone who follows closely what we do. I'm just grateful, and I love all of you. So uh, everyone, be safe and and uh, take time to reflect on uh, on what we have in this life and how quickly we can lose it. All right, thanks, guys, for listening. Of course, we're presented by Illegal Pizza. As always, make sure to check them out. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, before we get out of here, got to remind you guys that Total Beverage is giving the DNVR fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to $75. Use code DNVR2019 at checkout online or on the Total Beverage app. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder, from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products from drinks to gummies. You can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off of your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to $75. Better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get delivered.